0: Greetings, family. May God bless you. The blessings of the Lord be upon you. We bless you in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Let's get started. Reading from the book Limitless Love by Canada Gloria Copeland, starting October the 7th. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you, Lord God, that you are our Father. Thank you for Jesus Christ who sacrificed his body on the cross for us in order for us to have life and have eternal life. Thank you for the abundant life that Jesus Christ has come to give us. Thank you, Father, for your great love. Thank you for your great plans. Hallelujah. Thank you for the shedding of the blood of your Son, Jesus Christ, on the cross that restores our youth like eagles, that crowns us with loving kindness and tender mercies, that pulls us and redeems us from the pit of hell. Hallelujah who heals us of all our diseases, who forgives us of all our iniquities. Yes, we say, bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. We bless his holy name. Thank you, Father, for allowing us to enter your kingdom and be in right standing with you. Our righteousness is in Christ Jesus. Our wisdom is from Christ Jesus. Our sanctification is from the Lord Jesus Christ. And our redemption is from Jesus. We give you all the praise and the glory, Father, for these things. In the mighty name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. And all of God's people say, Amen and Amen. Thank you so much for coming in and listening today and having a good meal. Let's start. October the 7th. Scripture is Hebrews 10.38. Now the just shall live by faith. Now the just shall live by faith. And the article is, What's So Hard About That? Sometimes I see Christians struggling and sweating in an effort to live by faith. To watch them, you think that faith in God is very difficult to obtain and extremely complicated to walk in. But God never intended living by faith to be difficult. He meant it to be so simple that even a child could do it. We're the ones who made it hard, and we did it by separating it from love. Since faith works by love, you can quickly see what a great mistake that can be. To have faith in God basically means to trust Him. Before we trust anyone, we have to know their heart. We have to know not only what they promised us, but why they made those promises. Unless we know their motives, we can never fully trust them. If they're under pressure, for example, and have to choose between protecting themselves or us, we're never sure exactly what they will do. That's why it does us only a limited amount of good to rehearse God's promises over and over. Trying to believe them, when we have little revelation of His love, we're continually plagued with doubts. What if God's promises are conditional, we wonder, and we have unknowingly failed to meet those conditions? What if in this contract called the Bible, there are clauses and exceptions that excuse God from fulfilling these promises? What if there are qualifications we don't know anything about? Once we understand God's heart, however, such questions just melt away. Once we realize that he made all those promises because he loves us, we can rest assured not only that he will, but that he wants to do for us all that he has said. God's motive in everything he does for us is purely and simply love. We never have to worry about him choosing his own interests over ours because he already proved at Calvary that he was willing to sacrifice himself on our behalf. By pouring out his very own blood, he showed us that every promise he has made us and every word he has spoken was prompted by his great love. He demonstrates once and for all that he cares so much about us that he wants to meet our every need, and he has power enough to do it. All we have to do is give him an open door by inviting him into our lives and he will rush in to do good things for us that's how much he loves us the more we understand that the easier it is for us to have faith after all faith is just believing what god says faith is simply being confident that god has told us the truth what's so hard about that nothing when you know his love Beautiful, beautiful, wonderful words of life. That was Gloria Copeland, folks. Our next one is by Gloria. Philippians 3.1. Finally, my brethren, rejoice in the Lord to write the same things to you, to me. Indeed, is not grievous, but for you it is safe. Philippians 3, one. Have you ever noticed that when the fruit of the Spirit is listed in Galatians, love tops the list? That's because love is the fruit from which the others flow, all the others. When love is present, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control always follow right behind it. When love is absent, the rest are absent too. That's why I train myself to pay close attention to not only my love life, but to my joy level. Since joy is the immediate result of working in love, I've learned that when my joy begins to wane, it's a sure sign that something somewhere along the way I've stepped out of love and into selfishness. Initially, I might have no idea when it happened. I just noticed that although I began my day in joy, somehow a sense of sadness or irritation has set in. What's the matter with me? I wonder. I feel great a while ago. What has stolen my joy? Inevitably, as I think back through my day, I'll remember some insignificant but unkind thing. Someone said to me that caused me to take offense without even realizing it. I'll recall some situation where someone aggravated me and I failed to respond in love. I'll see that from the moment on. My day began to go downhill. Once I realize what has happened, I do whatever is necessary to correct the situation. I repent from my failure to walk in love. Forgive the person who was unkind to me and extend heartfelt grace to the person who irritated me. If I respond to them outwardly in an unloving manner, I apologize, if possible, and make things right. Then I purposely stir my joy up again. If I'm driving my car, I'll play a CD of praise songs and sing along. I can't carry a tune, so I only do what I'm. I'm alone. I only do that when I'm alone. It wouldn't be loving to do it when others are around. If thoughts of strife or aggravation try to persist, I just resist them. I look at the situation in the light of the word of God and say to myself, that's no big deal. I am full of love. So I am not going to be touchy and fretful about that. I'm not going to let the devil use it or to steal my joy. If you're serious about walking in love, I recommend that you do the same thing. Watch yourself, and when you find you're getting downcast or depressed, look back and see where you stumbled and fell out of love. Then step right back in and stir your joy up again. You and everyone around you will be very glad you did. One of the ways that we do in our groups is we write it down. We write it down and take a look in paper, but first, we thank God about the situation because the situation could be the catalyst that's pushing us towards God, and we may be missing something. We may not be paying attention to something, or there's something coming up in the future. It's a red flag. So thank you, God, this is happening. Thank you, God, this is happening. Then we wait and wait, and then we start writing down the situation. Like Benjamin Franklin's pros and cons. On one side, the situation. On the other side, the, the positives. And we leave room in the bottom. as What was our part? Did we initiated it. Did we start it? What happened the last time? And then call someone and tell on yourself. You know, get it out of you. If you're mad at someone, someone didn't do something right, irritating you, or it's not running their life, like you believe they should, uh, or they're working for the enemy as a secret agent, you got to thank God, thank God, and send love to the person. Say, I love you and I forgive you. Write it down. Write it down. It, and if it persists, start praying Psalm 23 for them. As a matter of fact, let's go ahead and pray Psalm 23, since we have them in our mind. The Lord is the shepherd of my enemies. They shall not want. The Lord makes them lie down in green pastures and leads them beside the still waters. The Lord restores their soul. The Lord makes them walk in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yes, though they walk through this valley of the shadow of death, they will fear no evil for the Lord is right beside them. His rod and his staff, they comfort him. The Lord has prepared a table before them in the presence of their enemies. The Lord has anointed their head with oil. Their cup runs over. Surely goodness and mercy and loving kindness shall follow our enemies all the days of their life and they will dwell in the house of the Lord forever and ever. Amen. If those thoughts of murder of, of, and it can't go away, just keep doing this. Keeps Writing down, I love you and I forgive you for that, for your actions, and then pray Psalm 23 for them. Do it for 14 days. It takes about five minutes to do everything or less, and you'll find you'll break through. You'll, the breakthrough is amazing. You'll, the splash of love and water that comes from heaven and washes everything away is well worth it. Okay? My experience, folks. All right, moving on, October the 9th. Who is in control? Is the article. And the Amplified Bible in Ephesians 5, 6, and 9 says, Let no one delude and deceive you with empty excuses and groundless arguments for these sins, for through these things the wrath of God comes upon the sons of rebellion and disobedience. So do not associate or be sharers with them. For once you were in darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. Lead the lives of those native born to the light. For the fruit, the effect, the product of the light or the spirit consists in every form of kindly goodness, uprightness of heart, and trueness of life. Beautiful. Ephesians 5, 6, and 7. Amen, amen. If you want to get on the spiritual fast track and grow more quickly in your love walk, here's one important thing you must do. Stop making excuses. When you see you've been wrong and you stepped out of love, don't waste any time explaining and rationalizing your behavior. Don't pass the buck and say, as one comedian did many years ago, The devil made me do it. Oh, Flip Wilson. The devil can't make you do anything. You're a born-again child of God. Neither the devil nor the sin he is peddling have any dominion over you. So don't try to lay the blame on him, for Romans 6.14 explains. Don't point your finger on the person who aggravates you either. It's not their fault. It doesn't matter what anyone says or does. The Spirit of God who lives in you will provide you with all the power you need to respond in love. He will enable you to bear the fruit of goodness, kindness, and love in every situation. One thing He will not do, however, is control your flesh for you. He'll strengthen you and help you. But you're the one who must put the strength and power to work. It's your job to take authority over your mind and your mouth and make them line up with the law of love. In a meeting some years ago, the Holy Spirit said that this through a word of prophecy. If you don't have control over your flesh, I don't have control over your flesh. Take that revelation a step further, and you'll see that if we don't have control of our flesh, and God doesn't have control of our flesh, someone else will take control of it. And that someone is the devil himself, that's a sobering thought, because if we let Satan control our flesh, he will ultimately control our lives. He'll not only steal our love walk and keep us from bearing the fruit of the Spirit, he'll rob us of the blessing of God. Don't let him do it. Rise up and take responsibility for yourself. Stop making excuses. When you miss it and step out of love, admit it immediately. And do whatever it takes to step right back in. Take control of your flesh and walk as a child of light every day. Amen. And if you're moving and doing and a shaker and doing things from God, you're bound to get into a situation. When I get into a situation, I say, thank you, God, I'm a misfit. Thank you, God, I'm trying. Thank you, God, I'm a misfit. Thank you, God, I get another chance. Praise the Lord. We worship you. We praise you. We thank you that we are victorious in Christ Jesus. Amen. In Galatians 6, 7, and 10, New American Standard, Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever a man sows, this will he also reap. For the one who sows to his own flesh will will from the flesh reap corruption. But the one who sows to the Spirit will will from the Spirit reap eternal life. And let us not lose heart in doing good, for in due time we will reap if we will do not grow weary. So then, while we have opportunity, let us do good to all people, and especially to those who are the household of faith. Amen. Galatians 6, 7, and 10 reaping a harvest of life. Wouldn't it be wonderful if you were constantly receiving unexpected blessings? Wouldn't it be great if the love of God seemed to overtake and overwhelm you again and again and again? Amazingly, as it may sound, that's exactly the kind of life that we as believers are meant to live. All we have to do is To receive is to sow to the Spirit by continually walking in love, by taking every opportunity God gives us to do good to others and to let the forces of love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control flow out of us. We can set in motion a harvest of life that will bring us the blessing every day. The reverse is also true. If we spend our days in sin and strife, yielding to our flesh instead of the promptings of the Spirit, we will reap misery as a result. If we are too lazy and self-centered to put down the remote control, get up off the couch and do some things for others, we'll find ourselves hurting and alone in times to come. If we're harsh and critical towards people who have failed us, when we need mercy, we'll get judgment from others instead. The Bible says that the wages of sin is death. Although as believers we've been redeemed by the blood of Jesus from the penalty of eternal death, this fact remains true. If we continue to live in sin by disobeying the commandment of love, The wages of our sin will soon come and eat away all the qualities of our lives. Those fleshly seeds we planted will spring up and corrupt our relationship, our health, and success. If you planted some fleshly seeds in the past, and we all have, repent of them today. Receive the cleansing of the blood of Jesus. Declare a supernatural crop failure and receive the mercy of God so you won't have to eat the fruit of your own ways. Then start working on your harvest of blessing. Ask the Holy Spirit to help you find opportunities to reach out to others in love. Give and give and give again the goodness and love you like to receive. When due season comes, you reap and reap and reap God's riches Rewards, Amen and Amen. One way to to give and give is pray for the ministers that you like. Really, really pray Psalm twenty three for them, that they will be protected. Give, and then you after that you'll be giving momentarily when the opportunity comes. October eleventh, Proverbs four twenty two excuse me, 20 to 23, the Amplified Bible says, My children, attend to my words, consent and submit to my sayings. Consent and submit. Let them not depart from your sight. Keep them in the center of your heart, for they are life to those who find them, healing and health to all their flesh keep and guard your heart with all vigilance and above all that you guard for out of it flows the springs of life. Proverbs 4, 20, Amplified Bible. Since the love of God has been shed abroad in our hearts, the most important question was, is we as born again believers can ask is this, how can I guard my heart? How can I keep my spirit so strong that it dominates my flesh and keeps me walking in love? These verses in Proverbs gives us the answer. We guard our hearts by attending to God's word. We keep it in our eyes and ears continually to help us stay in daily living contact with him. We don't use the Bible like the people in the Old Testament did. We don't use it as a set of rules to follow or as a list of laws to obey in order to achieve right standing with God. We're born of His Spirit. We already have right standing with Him through the blood of Jesus. So for us, reading the Bible is a way of communion with God. When we read it, the Holy Spirit within us makes it alive and full of power. It strengthens us and energizes us. The nature of God within us, it separates our souls from our spirits so that our hearts can become the dominant force in our lives. Hebrews four twelve Amplified Bible. If we'll keep the word in our hearts with all diligence, the spirit forces God has put inside of us, forces like love, joy, peace, patience, goodness, kindness, faithfulness, and self-control will flow forth strongly from our inner man and wash away every hindrance of that flesh that would try to stop them. But the word diligence is a big word. It isn't a lazy word. It isn't a casual word. People who are diligent are people who mean business about something. They are focused and determined, and they consistently apply effort to reach their goals. That's the way we must be about attending to the Word. We can't afford to be lazy or casual about it. We can't afford to let our Word level slip. If we do, we'll find ourselves growing spiritually weak. We'll find our hearts being overpowered by the things of the world and the desires of the flesh. We'll find ourselves thinking, what happened to me? I want to walk in love in this situation, but I can't find the strength to do it. Don't let yourself get in that condition. Spend time in the Bible every day. Listen to the Lord as he speaks to you through the truth you read there. Keep your heart strong with the word. Amen. October 12th, Psalm 115, verse 14, Neo-American Standard. May the Lord give you increase, you and your children. The article is called, Keep Increasing Every Day. If I were to sum up the will of God for our lives in one word, I might choose the word increase. Throughout the Bible, God makes it clear that He desires for us to increase in every way. He wants us to increase spiritually and physically in health and strength. He wants us to increase in blessings of every kind. That means no matter how successfully, We walk in love up to this point in our lives, God can increase us. He can help us walk in love more and more. Actually, I found that when it comes to the things of the Spirit, we're never stationary. We're always either moving forward or slipping back. We're either progressing or regressing, increasing or decreasing, but we're never staying the same. That's because in the day-to-day course of our lives, we're either staying in living contact with God or we're not. We're either fellowship with Him consistently through prayer and the Word or we're not. If we are, God will be continually adding to us. He'll be constantly deepening our revelation of His love. He'll be perpetually increasing our spiritual strength. As a result, our lives will bear even more abundant fruit and be more marked with every increasing blessing. On the other hand, if we go for days without feeding on the Word or spending time in prayer, we'll start losing ground. The devil doesn't take a vacation. He puts pressure on us in some way every day. So if we're not actively keeping in contact with God, the devil begins to get the upper hand. Our flesh starts to take dominion. All unloving habits we've been delivered from begin to try to come back on us. The selfishness of the world begins to pull us in the wrong direction. If we continue like that, just going about our business, not giving God any time, the first thing you know will find... We find ourselves in trouble of some kind. We'll pray and beg God for help, all the while feeling like he isn't even listening to us. The problem, however, isn't in his failure to listen to us. It is in our failure to listen to him. That's why we need to stay in living contact with him daily. That's why we need to pray and seek his face, not just when we're in trouble, but all the time. Maintaining our fellowship with God is the most important thing we will ever do if we'll make it our first priority. We will experience his wonderful will for our lives. We'll keep on increasing more and more in spirit, soul, and body. We'll keep growing in victory every day. Greetings, family. May God bless you. The blessings of the Lord be upon you. We bless you in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Let's get started. Reading from the book Limitless Love by Canada Gloria Copeland, starting October the 7th. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you, Lord God, that you are our Father. Thank you for Jesus Christ who sacrificed his body on the cross for us in order for us to have life and have eternal life. Thank you for the abundant life that Jesus Christ has come to give us. Thank you, Father, for your great love. Thank you for your great plans. Hallelujah. Thank you for the shedding of the blood of your Son, Jesus Christ, on the cross. That restores our youth like eagles. That crowns us with loving kindness and tender mercies. That pulls us and redeems us from the pit of hell. Hallelujah who heals us of all our diseases, who forgives us of all our iniquities. Yes, we say, bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. We bless His holy name. Thank you, Father, for allowing us to enter your kingdom and be at right standing with you. Our righteousness is in Christ Jesus. Our wisdom is from Christ Jesus. Our sanctification is from the Lord Jesus Christ. And our redemption is from Jesus. We give you all the praise and the glory, Father, for these things. In the mighty name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. And all of God's people say, Amen and Amen. Thank you so much for coming in and listening today and having a good meal. Let's start. October the 7th. Scripture is Hebrews 10.38. Now the just shall live by faith. Now the just shall live by faith. And the article is, what's so hard about that? Sometimes I see Christians struggling and sweating in an effort to live by faith. To watch them, you think that faith in God is very difficult to obtain and extremely complicated to walk in. But God never intended living by faith to be difficult. He meant it to be so simple that even a child could do it. We're the ones who made it hard, and we did it by separating it from love. Since faith works by love, you can quickly see what a great mistake that can be. To have faith in God basically means to trust Him. Before we trust anyone, we have to know their heart. We have to know not only what they promised us, but why they made those promises. Unless we know their motives, we can never fully trust them. If they're under pressure, for example, and have to choose between protecting themselves or us, we're never sure exactly what they will do. That's why it does us only a limited amount of good to rehearse God's promises over and over. Trying to believe them when we have little revelation of His love, we're continually plagued with doubts. What if God's promises are conditional, we wonder, and we have unknowingly failed to meet those conditions? What if in this contract called the Bible, there are clauses and exceptions that excuse God from fulfilling these promises? What if there are qualifications we don't know anything about? Once we understand God's heart, however, such questions just melt away Once we realize that He made all those promises because He loves us, we can rest assured not only that He will, but that He wants to do for us all that He has said. God's motive in everything He does for us is purely and simply love. We never have to worry about Him choosing His own interests over ours because He already proved at Calvary that He was willing to sacrifice Himself on our behalf. By pouring out His very own blood, He showed us that every promise He has made us and every word He has spoken was prompted by His great love. He demonstrates once and for all that He cares so much about us that He wants to meet our every need, and He has power enough to do it. All we have to do is give Him an open door by inviting Him into our lives and He will rush in to do good things for us. That's how much He loves us. The more we understand that, the easier it is for us to have faith. After all, faith is just believing what God says. Faith is simply being confident that God has told us the truth. What's so hard about that? Nothing when you know His love. Beautiful, beautiful, wonderful words of life. That was Gloria Copeland, folks. Our next one is by Gloria. Philippians 3.1, Finally, my brethren, rejoice in the Lord to write the same things to you, to me. Indeed, is not grievous, but for you it is safe. Philippians 3.1. Have you ever noticed that when the fruit of the Spirit is listed in Galatians, love tops the list? That's because love is the fruit from which the others flow, all the others. When love is present, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control always follow right behind it. When love is absent, the rest are absent too. That's why I train myself to pay close attention to not only my love life, but to my joy level. Since joy is the immediate result of working in love, I've learned that when my joy begins to wane, it's a sure sign that something, somewhere along the way I've stepped out of love and into selfishness. Initially, I might have no idea when it happened. I just noticed that although I began my day in joy, somehow a sense of sadness or irritation has set in. What's the matter with me? I wonder. I feel great a while ago. What has stolen my joy? Inevitably, as I think back through my day, I'll remember some insignificant but unkind thing Someone said to me that caused me to take offense without even realizing it. I'll recall some situation where someone aggravated me and I failed to respond in love. I'll see that from the moment on. My day began to go downhill. Once I realize what has happened, I do whatever is necessary to correct the situation. I repent from my failure to walk in love. Forgive the person who was unkind to me and extend heartfelt grace to the person who irritated me. If I respond to them outwardly in an unloving manner, I apologize, if possible, and make things right. Then I purposely stir my joy up again. If I'm driving my car, I'll play a CD of praise songs and sing along. I can't carry a tune, so I only do what I'm I'm alone. I only do that when I'm alone. It wouldn't be loving to do it when others are around. If thoughts of strife or aggravation try to persist, I just resist them. I look at the situation in the light of the word of God and say to myself, that's no big deal. I am full of love. So I am not going to be touchy and fretful about that. I'm not going to let the devil use it or to steal my joy. If you're serious about walking in love, I recommend that you do the same thing. Watch yourself, and when you find you're getting downcast or depressed, look back and see where you stumbled and fell out of love. Then step right back in and stir your joy up again. You and everyone around you will be very glad you did. One of the ways that we do in our groups is we write it down. We write it down and take a look in paper, but first we thank God about the situation because the situation could be the catalyst that's pushing us towards God, and we may be missing something. We may not be paying attention to something, or there's something coming up in the future. It's a red flag. So thank you, God, this is happening. Thank you, God, this is happening. Then we wait and wait, and then we start writing down the situation. Like Benjamin Franklin's pros and cons. On one side the situation, on the other side the the positives. And we leave room in the bottom as what was our part. Do we initiated? Did we start it? What happened the last time? And then call someone and tell on yourself. You know, get it out of you. If you're mad at someone, someone didn't do something right, irritating you or it's not running their life. Like you believe they should, uh, or they're working for the enemy as a secret agent, you got to thank God, thank God, and send love to the person. Say, I love you and I forgive you. Write it down, write it down. It, and if it persists, start praying Psalm 23 for them. As a matter of fact, let's go ahead and pray Psalm 23 since we have them in our mind. The Lord is the shepherd of my enemies, they shall not want. The Lord makes them lie down in green pastures and leads them besides the still waters. The Lord restores their soul. The Lord makes them walk in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yes, though they walk through this valley of the shadow of death, they will fear no evil, for the Lord is right beside them. His rod and his staff, they comfort him. The Lord has prepared a table before them in the presence of their enemies. The Lord has anointed their head with oil. Their cup runs over. Surely goodness and mercy and loving kindness shall follow our enemies all the days of their life, and they will dwell in the house of the Lord forever and ever. Amen. If those thoughts of murder of, of, and it can't go away, just keep doing this. Keeps saying writing down i love you and i forgive you for that for your actions and then pray psalm 23 for them do it for 14 days it takes about five minutes to do everything or less and you'll find your breakthrough will the breakthrough is amazing your the splash of love and water that comes from heaven and washes everything away is well worth it okay My experience, folks. All right. Moving on, October the 9th. Who is in control? It's the article and the Amplified Bible in Ephesians 5, 6, and 9 says, Let no one delude and deceive you with empty excuses and groundless arguments for these sins. For through these things the wrath of God comes upon the sons of rebellion and disobedience. So do not associate or be sharers with them. For once you were in darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. Lead the lives of those native born to the light. For the fruit, the effect, the product of the light or the spirit consists in every form of kindly goodness, uprightness of heart, and trueness of life. Beautiful. Ephesians 5, 6, and 7. Amen, amen. If you want to get on the spiritual fast track and grow more quickly in your love walk, here's one important thing you must do. Stop making excuses. When you see you've been wrong and you stepped out of love, don't waste any time explaining and rationalizing your behavior. Don't pass the buck and say, as one comedian did many years ago, The devil made me do it," or Flip Wilson. The devil can't make you do anything. You're a born-again child of God. Neither the devil nor the sin he is peddling have any dominion over you. So don't try to lay the blame on him, for Romans 6.14 explains. Don't point your finger on the person who aggravates you either. It's not their fault. It doesn't matter what anyone says or does. The Spirit of God who lives in you will provide you with all the power you need to respond in love. He will enable you to bear the fruit of goodness, kindness, and love in every situation. One thing He will not do, however, is control your flesh for you. He'll strengthen you and help you. But you're the one who must put the strength and power to work. It's your job to take authority over your mind and your mouth and make them line up with the law of love. In a meeting some years ago, the Holy Spirit said that this through a word of prophecy. If you don't have control over your flesh, I don't have control over your flesh. Take that revelation a step further and you'll see that if we don't have control of our flesh and God doesn't have control of our flesh, someone else will take control of it. And that someone is the devil himself, that's a sobering thought because if we let Satan control our flesh, he will ultimately control our lives. He'll not only steal our love walk and keep us from bearing the fruit of the Spirit, he'll rob us of the blessing of God. Don't let him do it. Rise up and take responsibility for yourself. Stop making excuses. When you miss it and step out of love, admit it immediately. And do whatever it takes to step right back in. Take control of your flesh and walk as a child of light every day. Amen. And if you're moving and doing and a shaker and doing things from God, you're bound to get into a situation. When I get into a situation, I say, thank you, God, I'm a misfit. Thank you, God, I'm trying. Thank you, God, I'm a misfit thank you god i get another chance praise the lord we worship you we praise you we thank you that we are victorious in christ jesus amen in galatians 6 7 and 10 new american standard do not be deceived god is not mocked for whatever a man sows, this will he also reap for the one who sows to his own flesh will will from the flesh reap corruption. But the one who sows to the Spirit will will from the Spirit reap eternal life. And let us not lose heart in doing good, for in due time we will reap if we will do not grow weary. So then, while we have opportunity, let us do good to all people, and especially to those who are the household of faith. Amen. Galatians 6, 7, and 10 reaping a harvest of life. Wouldn't it be wonderful if you were constantly receiving unexpected blessings? Wouldn't it be great if the love of God seemed to overtake and overwhelm you again and again and again? Amazingly, as it may sound, that's exactly the kind of life that we as believers are meant to live. All we have to do is, To receive is to sow to the Spirit by continually walking in love, by taking every opportunity God gives us to do good to others and to let the forces of love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control flow out of us. We can set in motion a harvest of life that will bring us the blessing every day. The reverse is also true, if we spend our days in sin and strife, yielding to our flesh instead of the promptings of the Spirit, we will reap misery as a result. If we are too lazy and self-centered to put down the remote control, get up off the couch and do some things for others we'll find ourselves hurting and alone in times to come. If we're harsh and critical towards people who have failed us, when we need mercy, we'll get judgment from others instead. The Bible says that the wages of sin is death. Although, as believers, we've been redeemed by the blood of Jesus from the penalty of eternal death, this fact remains true. If we continue to live in sin by disobeying the commandment of love, The wages of our sin will soon come and eat away all the qualities of our lives. Those fleshly seeds we planted will spring up and corrupt our relationship, our health, and success. If you planted some fleshly seeds in the past, and we all have, repent of them today. Receive the cleansing of the blood of Jesus. Declare a supernatural crop failure and receive the mercy of God so you won't have to eat the fruit of your own ways. Then start working on your harvest of blessing. Ask the Holy Spirit to help you find opportunities to reach out to others in love. Give and give and give again the goodness and love you like to receive. When due season comes, you reap and reap and reap God's riches rewards amen and amen one way to to give and give is pray for the ministers that you like really really pray Psalm 23 for them that they will be protected give and then you after that you'll be giving momentarily when the opportunity comes October 11th proverbs 4 22 excuse me, 20 to 23, the Amplified Bible says, My children, attend to my words, consent and submit to my sayings. Consent and submit. Let them not depart from your sight. Keep them in the center of your heart, for they are life to those who find them, healing and health to all their flesh. Keep and guard your heart with all vigilance, and above all that you guard, for out of it flows the springs of life. Proverbs 4, 20, Amplified Bible. Since the love of God has been shed abroad in our hearts, the most important question was, is, we as born-again believers can ask, is this, how can i guard my heart how can i keep my spirit so strong that it dominates my flesh and keeps me walking in love these verses in proverbs gives us the answer we guard our hearts by attending to god's word we keep it in our eyes and ears continually to help us stay in daily living contact with him we don't use the bible like the people in the old testament did we don't use it as a set of rules to follow or as a list of laws to obey in order to achieve right standing with God. We're born of His Spirit. We already have right standing with Him through the blood of Jesus. So for us, reading the Bible is a way of communion with God. When we read it, the Holy Spirit within us makes it alive and full of power. It strengthens us and energizes The nature of God within us, it separates our souls from our spirits so that our hearts can become the dominant force in our lives. Hebrews 4, 12, Amplified Bible. If we'll keep the Word in our hearts with all diligence, the spirit forces God has put inside of us, forces like love, joy, peace, patience, goodness, kindness, faithfulness, and self-control will flow forth strongly from our inner man and wash away every hindrance of that flesh that would try to stop them. But the word diligence is a big word. It isn't a lazy word. It isn't a casual word. People who are diligent are people who mean business about something. They are focused and determined and they consistently apply effort to reach their goals. That's the way we must be about attending to the Word. We can't afford to be lazy or casual about it. We can't afford to let our Word level slip. If we do, we'll find ourselves growing spiritually weak. We'll find our hearts being overpowered by the things of the world and the desires of the flesh. We'll find ourselves thinking, what happened to me? I want to walk in love in this situation, but I can't find the strength to do it. Don't let yourself get in that condition. Spend time in the Bible every day. Listen to the Lord as He speaks to you through the truth you read there. Keep your heart strong with the Word. Amen. October 12th, Psalm 115, verse 14, Neo-American Standard. May the Lord give you increase, you and your children. The article is called, Keep Increasing Every Day. If I were to sum up the will of God for our lives in one word, I might choose the word increase. Throughout the Bible, God makes it clear that He desires for us to increase in every way. He wants us to increase spiritually and physically in health and strength. He wants us to increase in blessings of every kind. That means no matter how successfully we walk in love up to this point in our lives, God can increase us. He can help us walk in love more and more. Actually, I found that when it comes to the things of the Spirit, we're never stationary. We're always either moving forward or slipping back. we either progressing or regressing, increasing or decreasing, but we're never staying the same. That's because in the day-to-day course of our lives, we're either staying in living contact with God or we're not. We're either fellowship with Him consistently through prayer and the Word or we're not. If we are, God will be continually adding to us. He'll be constantly deepening our revelation of His love. He'll be perpetually increasing our spiritual strength. As a result, our lives will bear even more abundant fruit and be more marked with every increasing blessing. On the other hand, if we go for days without feeding on the Word or spending time in prayer, we'll start losing ground. The devil doesn't take a vacation. He puts pressure on us in some way every day. So if we're not actively keeping in contact with God, the devil begins to get the upper hand. Our flesh starts to take dominion. All unloving habits we've been delivered from begin to try to come back on us. The selfishness of the world begins to pull us in the wrong direction. If we continue like that, just going about our business, not giving God any time, the first thing you know will find We find ourselves in trouble of some kind. We'll pray and beg God for help, all the while feeling like He isn't even listening to us. The problem, however, isn't in His failure to listen to us, it is in our failure to listen to Him. That's why we need to stay in living contact with Him daily. That's why we need to pray and seek His face, not just when we're in trouble, but all the time. Maintaining our fellowship with God is the most important thing we will ever do if we'll make it our first priority. We will experience His wonderful will for our lives. We'll keep on increasing more and more in spirit, soul, and body. We'll keep growing in victory every day.